Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the Message Trust. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing, check out our website, message.org.uk. We've got a great passage this morning, anyway, that's for sure. Um, and I think I might have even spoken, with some, I'm sure I have, because about six or seven years ago, we were journeying through the whole of Luke. And uh, next time I speak in Tuesday morning, we're going to start going through the book of Galatians. You might even want to read it. It'll take about half an hour before then. And, uh, but we'll chug through there for a few weeks. But... Um, the last few months, I've had the joy, for me anyway, of, of just choosing some of my favourite gospel passages. And this is absolutely right, right up there. A perfect picture of Jesus, totally in the flow, totally rooted in the Father and just doing the stuff that, that uh, we're meant to do, actually, because as the Father sent him, he sent us. So get this, uh, Luke chapter 8, from verse 40. Uh, It's entitled, A Dead Girl and a Sick Woman. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the woman was there, sorry, as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him, and a woman was there who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years, No one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touch me and know that power has gone out for me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people. She told why she'd touched him and how she'd been instantly healed. Then he said to a daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. When Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter's dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said, Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John and James and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were mourning and wailing before her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone about what had happened. And there. 2,000 years later, we get the privilege of telling everybody about what has happened because that's what we're meant to do. Uh, So this is the time in Jesus' ministry when he is well and truly JC Superstar. When the crowds are pressing in, everyone's talking about him. He's the big name in the town. And and, uh, it was water off a duck's back to Jesus. Just the same as when they turned against him a few months later. He was so rooted in the Father that you know, the praise of men and the cursing of men just didn't affect him. He just got on with doing the Father's will. How much do you want to be like that? How much do I want to be like that? And I'm not like that. Um, but here he is, almost crushed because the people are going so crazy. And they're going crazy because they've heard that he's the healer. You probably heard Theresa May talk a lot about the jams, just about managing but there's a whole another group of people in our nation, isn't there? Nowhere near managing. 
because they're overwhelmed by sickness and disease, whether that's physical sickness or mental sickness. They're just so desperate, so desperate for healing. And uh, imagine if somebody came to Sharston and there was all the evidence that he could heal any sickness with a word or with a touch. AIDS, cancer, mental illness, dementia, you name it. Imagine it. Imagine the buzz. Imagine the excitement. You know, this is not some fake healer guy. This is the real deal. The stories have travelled. You can imagine the excitement, can't you? You can imagine the thousands that would gather and the buzz and all the people fighting through the crowds trying to get their sick and ailing relatives to the healer man and... and uh, what a scene it must have been. And in the midst of all that crowd are two desperate people. Desperate people are everywhere. I mean, I wanted to say this morning, actually, just sat here. Of course, we're blessed to sing to God in worship. But aren't we blessed to have our health just to be here? You know, that's taken away. It's a totally different experience our life. But we have health to be here with God's people, praising this morning. We're looking forward to a day where we can do what we need to do. Maybe we've not got perfect health, but we've got flipping good health compared to an awful lot of people out there, haven't we? And we need to thank him. We need to be thankful that we're here today. We're up for it. Look at us, we're beautiful. But there's many people who aren't experiencing what we're experiencing this, this morning, that that measure of health, and they're really desperate. Harder, even harder than that, is what this man Jairus was experiencing. He was a synagogue ruler. And in this religious society, that is a top man in society. You bowed or curtsied when he arrived in the room, the equivalent. Certainly what this guy didn't do is fall at anyone else's feet. But in the midst of this crowd, who would all know Jairus was the synagogue ruler. He was the, you know, in this very religious society that in, of hierarchy, that was a pretty much near the top. You know, this was a top man in society. This guy, everyone would have known him. He falls at Jesus' feet and he begs him because his 12-year-old daughter is dying. Now, literally, that is as bad as it gets. If my 12-year-old daughter was dying, I would pay money to swap places with her. That's right, isn't it? If you're a father, you know anything about the love of a father. When your kids get sick, it's just terrible. And yet this guy's daughter wasn't just sick. His 12-year-old daughter was dying. And he fell at Jesus' feet as the crowds were crushing around and begged Jesus, pleaded with him to come to his house. And to his great joy, Jesus sets off. We're on the verge of a miracle. We've got a promise going on here. Something's going to happen. God's about to step in, even in my desperate need. And as he's making his way towards Jairus' house to surely heal this girl from a, from a terminal illness, he's confronted by another desperate person, another nowhere nearly managing woman. Bible says, a woman who'd been there for subject to bleeding for 12 years. So all this little girl's life, this woman had been subject to bleeding. And we know that that would have meant she was an outcast. She wasn't allowed to enter into temp temple worship. She felt rejected. She felt forgotten by God and by society. And uh, in Mark's gospel, it tells us that she'd spent all her money 
on doctors. But uh, rather than getting better, she'd get worse. Dr. Luke didn't tell us that bit. But uh, so is this woman absolutely broken. It's all over. She's run out of resource. And her last desperate attempt is to reach out to Jesus in this crowd, to fight her way through. If I can just touch the healer man, maybe, maybe in my desperate state, healing will come. And so she, she reaches out to him and she's embarrassed by her condition. You know, men weren't even allowed to touch this woman and she certainly wasn't allowed to touch men. But she reaches out to him and she touches him. And Jesus says, who touched me? Simon Peter, the big mouth. Everyone's touching you, Jesus. Can't you see? Look at all, everyone's touching you. Everyone's crowding around. Jesus says, no, somebody touched me because I felt power go out for me. We are meant to feel power going out from us. When we minister on the streets, up front, wherever it is, we're meant to be people who are moving in the power of the Spirit. You know that, don't you? The Spirit of God is meant to be flowing into us and flowing out of us. We are meant to have rivers of living water, rivers of power flowing out from us wherever we go. So whenever we go, people get touched. I mean, Jesus just lived with this, but we're meant to be like that. Ministering in the power of the Spirit is the most exciting, glorious, wonderful thing in the world. Ministering when it's not happening does your head in. And uh, I've experienced both. And often the reason I'm not moving in the power of the Spirit is because I'm not really rooted in Christ. I'm not really in His Word. I'm not prayed up. I'm not truly repentant. I'm harboring old sins and chips and baggage. You know, I'm still going to heaven, but I'm not the man of power for the hour. Do you understand what I'm saying? Well, I want to be ministering in the power of the Spirit, despite the fact it's absolutely knackering. You know, when you're really going for it and you're seeing God do the things only He can do, save and heal, even through an ordinary bloke like me or ordinary bloke or girl like you, when you're moving in that, it is totally exhausting. But it's the most beautiful thing in the world, isn't it? Jesus knew all about, he knew about power going out of him. But the great thing about Jesus is he knew about power flowing into him as well. Jesus was the man who was the perfect example of what it means to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Right now, we're meant to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so as we go around the message today, we touch other people's lives in simple ways, but there's something special. It's the power of God being released. Don't you want to be that kind of person? I so do. It makes all the difference. It's chalk and cheese in ministry. We've seen it in action. We've, we've done it, many of us, in the flesh, and then we've done it in the spirit, where the power's flowing, and God's doing the things only he can do, like heal a woman who's been suffering this debilitating, terrible condition for 12 years and is the end of a rope. And she reaches out and power goes out. And Jesus says, no, somebody touch me because I know power's gone out. And the crowd clears. And there's this sobbing woman before Jesus, knowing that she's been healed. It's not just he's felt it, she's felt it. Because that's meant to happen too. You know, we're not, we don't rely on the thrill of the fill. We don't rely on the feelings, but people are meant to feel this thing. Isn't it great when you feel the power of God? It's a beautiful, wonderful thing.
People are meant to feel it in school and prisons and tough communities. They're meant to experience the touch of God like this woman did on the streets of Israel. And uh, she's there and the crowd clears. And Jesus just says these beautiful, beautiful words. It's all there, the gospel wrapped up in a sentence. Daughter. She felt like a reject. She felt forgotten by God. She felt it was all over. Yet Jesus says, daughter, you're my daughter. You know, is there any greater love than a father for his daughter? Anything more profound and deep and powerful? And Jesus just says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Yet I'm the man of power for the hour. I'm the son of God. But I'm allowing you to partner in this. You reached out with your little mustard seed of faith. And bingo, your faith has made you well. It's me and you doing this thing together, girl. Don't you love that? That's the kingdom. It's not just we're sons and daughters of the living God. Actually, we're allowed to partner with him in this adventure of faith. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. There's the gospel. Without peace, you've heard me say this before, without peace, a rich man is poor with peace. A poor man's rich. All you need is peace. Just the shalom, the centeredness and the peace and the joy of knowing you're a son or a daughter of the living God. Don't you love it? Everything's changed. In a, in a second, one touch from Jesus changes everything. Suddenly she's healed. She's whole. She's lifting her head up high. She's a daughter of the king. She's got a purpose for her life. She's a woman of faith who can start passing on that now to others because she's realised faith changes things. Faith in this guy changes everything. And she's walking in the peace of the Lord. Suddenly she's gone from poor to rich. Do you like this gospel or not? It's fantastic, isn't it? It's what we're offering people. These people who are nowhere, have got nowhere near enough. They're just broken, forgotten people, but Jesus has a touch for them. Gives them peace. I don't know whether I told publicly about Danielle's neighbour. I hope Danielle, is Danielle here? Is she on reception maybe? But So Danielle is on, my PA is on Eden Latchford in Warrington. So before Christmas, she went... Um, knocking doors down her street, just giving all her neighbours a Christmas card, not like offering to lead them to Jesus, the wimp, just, being a, <laughs> just giving them a Christmas card and saying, hey, look, you know, and this old fellow, Bill, a few doors down from Danielle, said, why are you giving me a Christmas card? And she said, well, I just thought it'd be a nice neighbourly thing to do, just wanted to wish you a happy Christmas. And, and he said, oh, right, oh, thanks a lot, and then got chatting. And Danielle said, what are you doing on Christmas Day? Bill said... I'm doing nothing, I'm just going to have chips, I'm on my own. So Danielle said, you need to come round to our house, Bill. And he's like, oh, I don't know, I'll see. She said, well, I'm definitely going to lay a place for you. So she invited Bill round on Christmas Day. He didn't show up. There was an empty place round the table. So she's like, oh, should I go round with his Christmas dinner or not? Anyway, later on that afternoon, she plucked up courage, heated up his Christmas dinner, plated it up, took it round to Bill's house, this 82-year-old man. Bill filled up. And said, I, I was praying coming up to Christmas that either God would let me die because I've got nobody or somebody would show me some kindness. Somebody would invite me around. How awesome is that? You see, that's called power going out from you, isn't it? 
it's just a little acts of kindness. And of course, so this old bloke now anyway, and Danielle and the team are just loving on this 82-year-old man. And, and uh, he's so going to get saved. And he's, he's, he's really engaged in the chatting to him every day. And, and he's just a, but that, imagine that old, that old sad man who, who's just got no peace because he's got nobody. And then yeah, there's the church of Jesus there that's meant to be loving on these people and, and pouring out our lives towards them. And so we can introduce them to Jesus who brings peace. Anyway, while all this is going on, poor old Jairus is stood there like, yes. Love that you're dealing with this woman, but what about my promise? Well, what about my daughter, you know? Yeah, okay, could you just stop ministering to her, please? Because I've got a 12-year-old daughter here who's dying and he's stressed out of his brains. And isn't that the hardest thing in the world when you got the promise? Feels like Jesus is on the way and then suddenly everything holds up. The, the, the time between the promise and the fulfillment can be the most frustrating time in the world. And... Uh, what gets even worse is as he journeys towards their house, the girl dies. The messengers come. It's not even worth coming now because she's dead. And Jesus says, she's not dead, she's asleep. And everyone laughs, look, she's dead, I promise you. And you're an embarrassment, Jesus. You've let the guy down. It's not going to happen. And Jesus just carries on walking in the Father's will in absolute faith and confidence, enters the house and says... Everybody out, apart from mother and father and Peter, James and John. All the rest of the disciples. Imagine me in one of the nine at that point. Mm, thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, uh, but uh, there was something about these boys, wasn't there? About Peter, James and John. You see it again and again and again. They, there was an inner circle. You know what it was? They were men of faith. At this point, Jesus didn't want the naysayers. He didn't, want the, he didn't want the people who were going to tell him why he couldn't do this miracle. He didn't want the fearful. He just wanted the people of faith. These simple fishermen were men of faith. They did the wrong thing. James and John were the hotheads, the sons of thunder. You know, wanted to call down fire from heaven. Peter was the potty mouth. You know, the guy, the guy who often said the wrong thing and put his foot in it a lot. But wow, they had faith in Jesus. You know, resilient faith in Jesus. He kept walking in faith and, and he wanted them in the room with him. I wonder if this morning, you know, it's, it's miracle time at the message trust. It's, it's breakthrough time. It's acceleration time. I wonder if, uh, if you'd be one of the ones who are left. You, you're up for this. You, you've got confidence and faith. But it wasn't just faith, was it, with Peter, James and John. It, it was they just love people. There's something about, I mean, read, read the stuff they wrote in the New Testament. They just love people. They had this gut feeling, this gut compassion. They love Jesus and they love people. And so, um, so they were left in the room with Jesus as he did this spectacular miracle. All the people wailing and mourning outside. Jesus said, stop wailing. And he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. And her spirit returned and at once she stood up. You see, here we go. My child. You know, she's the daughter on the streets, in the house. She's Jesus' kid. You know, we're in this unbelievably rich family, aren't we? We're in a family where healing comes and salvation comes and breakthrough comes and resources 
poured out to the desperate through us in partnership with God. It's that kind of family. It's an ace family, isn't it? It's his family. We're children of the king. We're his sons and daughters. We're his kids and we get to do this stuff with him because he just modelled it. And then, of course, pretty soon he sent Peter, James and John and the rest of them out to do the same thing. It's what we're meant to do. We're meant to be that kind of church. And we were in Birmingham yesterday. We had such a great time, actually. Really felt like perhaps for the first time, well, probably not for the first time for the men and women of faith who were leading the thing, but the first time for the fearful chief executive. Hey, this is going to work. <laughs> Maybe we are going to do this higher thing in Birmingham. And there was just a lot of excitement and everything had stepped up. But I had this real, I've had this kind of word I felt on the way and I wrote it down on the train about the culture in the church. And um, that actually God's done a really great thing in terms of church culture. Even since we started the message, you know, the worship culture is amazing, isn't it? You know, the new worship that we're singing in the church, what was that like then? Fantastic. God's given us all these beautiful songs. He's actually renewed us by his spirit. And you think what the church is doing in terms of gifts, what the Lord is doing with his church in terms of gifts in the spirit. We've even got all these fantastic new buildings. Across Birmingham, we can have absolutely stonking great buildings that are church buildings where we can host our higher gigs. It's not like going through the church door of some funny religious building. You know, it's like just a, a warehouse, it's a kids or a gig venue. We've got these great facilities and we've got great coffee in a lot of churches. We've got great kids work. We've got, you know, the bunny who comes out in the worship and all the kids follow him like the Pied Piper. All this great stuff happening. This great, and it's all fantastic. We've even got engaged with the poor. And, uh, but actually, unless that culture changing results in this culture changing, i.e. that we're all about the lost and the poor and the broken and we're going out or on the front foot of mission. All it is, is another representation of, of the worst of culture, entitlement culture, consumer culture. Do you understand what I'm saying? If it's all about me and my beautiful time with Jesus and my great coffee and my kids being looked after in the kids' work and bouncing out after the bunny in the worship, if it's all about that, what is that all about when there's so many desperate people out there who need a touch from Jesus? And they're going to get that through us. Do you understand what I'm saying there? Because you see, we haven't just got a great commandment as the church. You know, love, love God and love people. We've got that. We've got a great commission. And we forget that sometimes. We act like it's all about the great commandment. We're meant to be people who love one another. Yes, we are, but we're meant to be people. The greatest act of love you can ever do is go out to them in the name of Jesus and obey the great commission. We're not just people who are called to believe in our hearts. Yes, we are and be saved. We believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouths because we're, that's how much love we've got. We've understood the gospel. Do you understand what I'm saying? Anyway, so I said, I said this yesterday. And then um, just before the meeting, Shane was saying, oh, we've got all these regions and the hardest one is Coventry. Coventry is tough, you know, it's, it's just, for us, it's just been hard with getting the connections. We can sense the, 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 the doors opening across the whole region. It's not just going to be Birmingham, it's going to be like the Midlands. It's really exciting. And then the leader of the largest church in Coventry is there. 900 people on a Sunday morning with a fantastic facility he wants to offer us for free. And a uh, beautiful man. And, um, and he's there. And uh, he said, 
He pulled out his devotional and he showed me and Carl. And he said, this morning, my devotional, this is what I wrote. We've got to see a culture change in the church. We've got to get a go culture. And this man like networks with 50 other churches around Coventry and holds these prayer gatherings. And he's like, it was just so the Lord. Do you understand what I mean? It was so God, so encouraging that you've got our back with higher. You're going to do this thing because it's your heart, Lord, that we go. Because we're called to follow the one who did this sort of stuff. He said, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And he breathed on us with his Holy Spirit. So let's stand together. And he breathed on us with his Holy Spirit. And those are the words, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Just breathe in. Breathe in the Holy Spirit. He's here. And he's meant to be filling you right now. Not I was filled in 1989 or 1999, but now. We're filled so we can go. We're filled so rivers of living water can flow. It's a spring, not a one-off experience. I pray, Lord, you'll fill us with your spirit this morning. Fill us to overflowing, Lord. Help us to go. So many sad, lost, lonely, desperate, sick people out there. And we've got just what they need. Well, afresh this morning, we choose to be going people. Graham, would you just read out? Just, just stay in this atmosphere of prayer. Just read out what you read, that little, Graham, that little Reinhard Bonnke quote at the end of our meeting this morning before, before this prayer. Just read that out, mate. Jesus does not sit with sitters and sleep with sleepers, but he goes with goers and works with workers. Reinhard Bonnke. And Lord, I pray you'll go with us as we go. I pray you'll work with us as we work. And if we've been sitting back and sleeping and we should be going, you'll wake us up, Lord. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Praise you, Lord. You're the God who saves. You're the God who heals. But you actually allow us to exert faith towards that and partner with you on that great adventure. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support or even get involved with one of our teams. 